You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Today I want to share with you something that could revolutionize your life. This is something my mom taught me in my days of living at home and it's affected my life. The benefits of this one choice could change the trajectory of your life both spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and socially. The choice that each one of us has to make is whether we're going to choose to be grateful. I am grateful for my wife's cooking. Ruth is a great cook. And my favorite part of her cooking is when she asks me to taste something to see if it tastes right, right? And when you're a good cook and you ask somebody to taste something, that means that's a good thing. My favorite thing that she asked me to taste before the kids can taste it is guacamole. She makes some killer homemade guacamole. And so she'll say, hey, can you come taste this? Make sure there's enough salt, enough lime, all that kind of stuff. And so since I have high blood pressure, obviously I'm always gonna say there's not enough salt, right? Need more salt in my diet. But I love tasting that, Ruth's stuff, because she's such a great cook. And if you know our family, guacamole usually doesn't make it off the counter to the table because we all just devour it before it gets there. But when I taste test the culture we live in, I have found that we need a little more gratitude in our diet. If you check out social media, just spend some time on Facebook and scroll through it or Twitter or Instagram and you will find not a lot of gratitude. Go spend time in our culture. Go to a restaurant. Go to a grocery store. And you'll see just an environment of ungratefulness. The sad reality is this lack of gratitude in our culture has made its way into the church. Rather than being thankful for our church family and the people who are a part of our church family, we have a tendency to complain and gripe about our church family. It's not diverse enough or it's too diverse. It's not woke enough or it's too woke. It's not traditional enough or it's too traditional. It's not cool enough or it's too cool. It's not political enough or it's too political. It's not deep enough or it's too deep. Then all of the sudden you have a church that looks no different than the world around it because of its ungrateful heart. When you taste test the church, do you find that it needs a little more gratitude? The thing I love about Mother's Day is it pushes us to be grateful. It causes us to take a minute out of our normal schedules and thank our moms, but what if we lived every day with a heart of gratitude? What if we lived every day rather than just Mother's Day and Memorial Day and Father's Day and Thanksgiving, what if we chose every day to live 
with a heart of gratitude. I believe that gratitude should be one of the defining marks of a follower of Jesus Christ. Our church should be the most grateful place in all of the city because we have the most to be grateful for. Today, I want to turn our attention to the book of Colossians. So open your Bibles with me or pull out your device and go to your Bible app and go to the book of Colossians. And I want to look particularly at one verse in chapter 3. Let me give you a little context to the book of Colossians so we can understand who and what is being written here. Colossians is written to the church at Colossae, which is in modern day Turkey. So if you know where Turkey is, that's who Paul is writing to. Paul is writing to a group of believers he's actually never met. The church was started by a man by the name of Epaphras, who had come to Ephesus to hear Paul preach. When he heard Paul preach, he responded to the gospel, put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He goes back to Colossae and he starts sharing his faith with people. And when he starts sharing his faith with people, it leads to the start of the church at Colossae. After this church has been started, Epaphras comes and visits Paul in Rome where he's in prison. And he comes and he talks to him about what's going on in the church at Colossae. And Epaphras tells Paul that there's some dangerous teaching that's come into the church. We're not exactly sure what this dangerous teaching was. It could have been Gnosticism or Judaism or some type of local folk teaching that had you do certain rituals like wearing a certain necklace so that the evil spirits would be stay away from you. So we're not sure what the false teaching was, but we do know what the theme of the book is. The theme of the book is the supremacy of Christ and the Christian's growth in Christ. What Paul is after is he's after them understanding that Christ is to not be one seen in their life, but Christ is the author of their life. He is the director of their life. He is the actor of their life. He is their life. And Christ being their life should lead to their maturity in Christ. The longer Christ is in us, the more he should come out through us. That's the point. In God's kingdom, there are no hidden believers. There are no secret Christians. Because what's inside of us is going to eventually work its way out of us. Either Christ is coming out of us or he's not in us at all. In chapter 3, in verse 5, through chapter 4, and verse 6, Paul makes this really clear. Look, look with me at this section and we'll get to verse 17 where we're going to spend our time. But look at how Paul is saying what's inside of us ought to start coming out of us. Verse 5 of chapter 3 says, Put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once, that's a key word, you once walked when you were living in them. 
But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. That's where you could probably get the idea that maybe they were doing some things like putting a necklace around their neck to keep evil spirits out. And having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ, this is the, the, the key term, but Christ is all and in all. Then verse 12, but put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. He's saying, put away the old man, right? Because Christ is all and in all, he's gonna be working himself out through our lives. Then you come to verse 17, and what Paul does for us is he summarizes what he said about Christ coming into our life And he's going to go on in the following verses to talk about family relationships and work relationships. But in verse 17, he's giving us a summary statement of how this works in our lives. Look at what he says in verse 17. And whatever you do, so talking about all those things he just talked about, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Read this verse with me together. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Paul summarizes it with this verse. He first says, and whatever you do or word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul is reminding them of who their authority is in their life and who they represent. Warren Wiersbe summarizes this statement in this way. All that we say and do should be associated with the name of Jesus Christ. By our words and our works, we should glorify his name. If we permit anything into our lives that cannot be associated with the name of Jesus, then we are sinning. We must do and say everything on the authority of his name and to honor his name. So we do everything he says on the authority of his name in the name of Jesus and for the honor of his name in the name of Jesus. How are we to do this? Well, it's the rest of the verse. We do this with a heart of gratitude. Paul has been modeling gratitude and calling them to it. I, 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 there's going to be six verses. I actually was, as I was studying after I turned in my PowerPoint, I found one more verse that had the term thankfulness in it. But seven times in this short letter, four chapters, Paul uses the term thankfulness. Look at Colossians chapter one in verse three. Paul says this, we always thank God, the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So every time Paul would think to pray for the church at Colossal, he would thank God for them. Colossians 1 and verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Colossians 2 and verse 7, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding as we're growing in Christ, we're abounding in thanksgiving. 
Colossians 3 and verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And Paul just gets straight to the point and be thankful. You go to verse 16, this is the one I missed. In verse 16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in your heart richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs, psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So when we sing on Sunday, Paul is saying, it's a response to God. It's a response of gratitude to God. But look at verse 17. Paul says it again. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. And then the last, Colossians chapter four and verse two, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. It's like Paul is trying to get something across to the church at Colossae. Right? For seven times in four chapters to bring up this idea of I'm thanking God for you, be thankful, give thanks. He's trying to get that into their heart. Giving thanks is a response to the grace of God. Here's a really neat thing about the word thankfulness or thanksgiving in the Bible. The root word of thanksgiving is grace. Amen. So if you go study out the word in Greek and you start breaking it down, what you find is that the core of that word is grace. So when we see thanks in the Bible, it is a response to God's grace. So every time you see it, all seven times that Paul wrote it, it is a response to God's grace. That's why he says, I thank God. I thank God because he understands that thankfulness at the core is the grace of God and it's a response to his grace. So I want to make two observations about this verse, and then I want to give you some real practical ways to think through living out or growing with a heart of gratitude. So two observations I have for you about a grateful heart. A grateful heart, first of all, changes your perspective. He says, as you submit to God's authority, as you represent him in word and deed, he ties it to thanksgiving. So thankfulness changes how I view what I say and do and whatever I say and do, right? It's all tied together. So it changes my perspective. First Thessalonians in five and verse 18, Paul says this, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Paul says, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, you can be grateful for it, right? So a grateful heart changes not my circumstances, but it changes my perspective. I see my life through God's grace and not my own efforts. Have you ever been looking for something and after you've been looking for it for a long time, you found it was right in front of you? So you're going all over the house, you're looking everywhere and the glasses are right on your head, right? Or you're looking for the keys and you're going everywhere and right where you started is where the keys were. What you needed was not a change of circumstances. What you needed in that moment was a change of perspective, right? This is what a grateful heart does for us. It causes us to see God's grace all around us. This is why Paul could write this letter in a Roman prison and say, in everything, give thanks. To, it, giving thanks to 
God through the Father. And whatever you do in word or deed, however you live that out, you can give thanks. How could Paul do that? Because it wasn't about changing his circumstances. It was about changing his perspective on his circumstances. See, the reality is maybe you don't need a new wife. Maybe you don't need new kids. Maybe you don't need new parents. Maybe you don't need a new job. Maybe you don't need a new church. Maybe you need a grateful heart. Because a grateful heart changes my perspective of life. It it changes how I view things. And so this is why he is saying to them, whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord. And while you're doing it in the name of the Lord, do it with a heart of thanksgiving, with a grateful heart. So a grateful heart changes your perspective. A grateful heart, I I think, also shows, shows us from this text, it reminds you of who you belong to. Paul doesn't just say in this text, be thankful as he does later. He says, be thankful to God the Father through him. So Paul says, don't just thank your lucky stars, right? Give thanks to God the Father through Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said in John or Matthew chapter 7 verses 7 through 11. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if the son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? So follow the word picture that he's doing. If your son comes to you and says, I want a piece of bread, you're going to give him a stone. Or if he lacks a fish, you're going to give him a serpent. When mowing the yard yesterday, a little snake slithered out of the grass and it's like, oh, I just hate that. You know, so my son comes today when we're fixing fish for my wife and I said, instead of giving you fish, I'm gonna put that snake on the thing, right? Like not not gonna work out. If you then who are evil, I love Jesus's clear talk with us. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts, if your kids ask you for bread, you're gonna give them bread. If they ask you for fish, you're gonna give them fish. How much more will your father who's in heaven Give good things to those who ask him. Amen. Paul, Jesus is reminding us that our father is a good gift giver. Yes, he is. Right. James catches on this idea in James chapter one and verse 17. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to, to change. A grateful heart reminds us that we belong to God. See, it's understanding. We can't separate a grateful heart from God because we understand that everything in our life comes from him, that he is the giver of good gifts and everything in our life is good because it's ultimately leading us to be more like him. And so it's not just having a grateful heart. This is not just a motivational talk that you can take and live out this week in your own strength, right? Like it's not that. It's that our grateful heart is directed to the one we belong to. That we understand that he is good and he's a good gift giver. And so we're grateful to him for that. Listen to what Paul says, and this is a warning to us. When Paul is talking in Romans chapter one 
In verse 21, he's talking about those who've rebelled against God, who've exchanged the worship of their creator God for creation. And here's what he says. How, how are we going to know that? For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. And listen to this next phrase. Or give thanks to him. How do we know that somebody doesn't belong to God? They don't give thanks to God. That's what he's saying. It's not just that they're, they've turned their back on God, they don't believe in God. It's that they don't even have a grateful heart towards God. So the question I would ask you is, do you belong to God? Because how I know I belong to God is that I have a grateful heart. How I know I belong to him is that I understand that everything in my life is a good gift from him. And I'm thankful to God the Father through Jesus. Do you belong to God? If you don't, John chapter 1 and verse 12 says, To all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives the right to become a child of God. Today, on Mother's Day, you can for the first time, have a new heart, a grateful heart that will reflect in your life. You can belong to God today by believing in him, that he died for you, that he was buried and he rose again and receiving him, taking him for yourself and you can become a child of God. You can know what it means to belong to God. So Paul summarizes our living out the supremacy of Christ by saying, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So how then, if we understand that a grateful heart changes our perspective, that a grateful heart reminds us of who we belong to, then how do we grow in a grateful heart? How do we cultivate a grateful heart in our life because we understand that he is the giver of all good gifts? Let me give you three observations from Colossians chapter one, verse 17. The first thing I would say is this, spend time with Jesus. Listen to what Colossians chapter one and verse 17 says. And he, Jesus, is before all things and in him all things hold together. The more time you spend with the one who holds everything together, the more grateful your heart will be. The more we understand that he is in all, right? That he is the one that holds everything together. The more time I spend with him, the more grateful my heart should become because I understand who he is. So you want to grow a heart of gratitude? Spend time with Jesus. Be in the word. Be in prayer. Spend time with the one that holds everything. I love that statement. He holds everything together. When I spend time with him and realize I'm not holding this all together, it's going to lead me to a grateful heart. The less control that I have, the more I'm going to realize that the only way this is working is because there's one who's holding it together and I know him and that's going to lead me to have a grateful heart. Amen. The second thing I would encourage you to do is rehearse the gospel. Look at John, uh, Colossians chapter 2 in verses 13 through 15. 
Paul reminds them of the gospel when he says, and you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is the gospel. Rehearse the gospel. Put the gospel on repeat in your mind. When you're listening to music, you know there's that little button you can push that just sets that song on repeat. If we want to grow a grateful heart, just put the gospel on repeat in your heart and in your mind. Listen to music that reminds you of the gospel. Read books that talk about the gospel. Memorize scripture that promotes the gospel. Spend time with people who promote the gospel in your life. What we put in is what we're going to get out of our lives. So I think it is wise for us, if we want to grow a grateful heart, to continue to put in the gospel, continue to rehearse it over and over and over again, that we were once dead, but we've been made alive by God. The more we rehearse the gospel, the more grateful we will be. The last thing I would say in how do we grow a grateful heart is share your grateful heart. Look at Colossians chapter four in verse six. Paul says to them, let your speech always be gracious. What was the root word of thankfulness? Grace, right? So Paul says, If you're living a heart of gratitude, it's gonna come out through your mouth. Let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. What is inside of us is what's gonna come out of us. Our speech should be gracious because our heart is grateful, right? Because why? We understand that we are responding to God's grace. And so when it comes out of our mouth, our our words are full of grace. So share your grateful heart. I came across this study and I I know we're in a mental health series and this is not a mental health part of the talk, but I, I, I found this interesting in applying to mental health. One study by Berkeley followed 300 people for three weeks who were in a poor state of mental health. So they were dealing with anxiety and depression. And what they did with these three groups is they put them in three different categories. So they had one group that only received counseling. So that's all they did is just went to counseling. They had another group that they received counseling, but they also sat down and wrote out all their negative feelings. So whenever they were depressed or had anxiety, they would sit down and write those out. Then they had a third group who went to counseling, but every day they would write a note of thankfulness to somebody. So every day they just took time and wrote a note of thankfulness. After one week, the study says, there wasn't much different in the mental health of any of the groups. But after the study ended at four weeks, those who wrote the thank you letters reported significantly better mental health after four weeks. And even better still, at 12 weeks. They also scanned their brains with an MRI to see if gratitude changed the way their brains worked, and it did. 
And here's what they said in the study. Most interestingly, when we compared those who wrote the gratitude letters with those who didn't, the gratitude letters showed greater activation in the medial prefrontal cortex when they experienced gratitude in the MRI scanner. This is striking as this effect was found three months after the letter writing began. This indicates that simply expressing gratitude may have lasting effects on your brain. While not conclusive, this finding suggests that practicing gratitude may help train the brain to be more sensitive to the experience of gratitude down the line. This should contribute to improved mental health over time. It is like the one who wrote the words of scripture knew what he was talking about. That when he calls us to be thankful, he knows how he wired us. He knows the difference sharing our grateful heart can make in our own heart and lives. I told you at the beginning that my mom taught me at an early age to be grateful. I can remember as a kid growing up having to sit down and write thank you notes to my Sunday school teachers after every year that we would transition up. I can remember mom making me write, sit down and write thank you notes to anybody who would ever give us a gift. But here's the thing about my mom. My mom didn't just teach me this. My mom lived it out. To this day, when we give my mom something, we're going to get a thank you note. So Friday night, my mom and dad came up to watch my son's musical and They came up at five o'clock and I thought, hey, we'll take you to a really fancy restaurant, you know. So we went to Chick-fil-A and we had Mother's Day meal at Chick-fil-A. And we went really fancy because I had ice cream delivered to the table without getting up from the table to go to the counter with the little app thing. It was pretty cool. So we had ice cream. So that was the fancy part was the uh, ice dream coming. But here's the deal. We'll buy my mom flowers every hanging plot pots for her uh, back porch. But I can guarantee you this week, even though she's got kindergarten graduation and her week is packed out, I can guarantee you by Friday, I'll have a thank you note from my mom for all that we did for her for Mother's Day. Why? Because it just wasn't words to my mom. It just wasn't something she was trying to teach us. It came from her heart. Just a few weeks ago, I was driving into work and I was thinking about my mom and praying for her and just so grateful for her. And it was like, I need to text my mom and just tell her that, right? On a day other than Mother's Day that I'm grateful for her. I'd forgotten about it, of course, when I got into work, I got distracted. So time I got home, I dropped mom a, a, a note and I just said, hey mom, you were on my mind this morning. I'm so thankful for you. I love you. You're the best mom. And I don't, you know, she can heart it, whatever she wants to do. But look at how my mom responded. And this is, this is the heart of her. She says, I'm thankful for you. I'm so blessed to have three sons who preach the word. My brothers are pastors as well. And I'm so unworthy to be loved so much. Love you. This is a woman who has a grateful heart. So 42 years ago, 43 years ago when I came into the world and she started teaching me to be grateful, she's been consistent through our life, understanding that it's all of God's grace. 
There's never a time that I've seen in my mom's life where it's like, man, my mom, she thinks she deserves that. It's always the grace of God. I'm so thankful to God for my mom and what she has instilled in my life. And this is what it means for us to have a grateful heart. See, when you taste, test my mom, you're gonna taste gratitude. And may we be a church that when people come and taste test our church family, they get a whole lot of gratitude. Father, thank you for just a good reminder today. I felt it was important for us as a church just to step back for a minute and be reminded about why it's important to be grateful. It's because you have shown us great grace And so in response to that, it changes our perspective on life and it reminds us that we belong to you. So Lord, I pray for each mom in this room that you would grow their heart of gratitude. I pray that if there's a mom in this room that has never put their faith and trust in you, that they would understand that this is not something they can well up in themselves, that they can work towards. This is something that has to come from their heart because you have given them a new heart. And I pray that if there's any mom in here that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of their salvation and they would understand what it means to then live with a grateful heart. And for those in this room who have, moms who have put their faith and trust in you, I pray that they would live out their faith that they would live with a heart of gratitude on the hard days when they can't console their baby and it just is crying and it just feels never ending. I pray that you'd give them a heart of gratitude on the days when it seems like their kids are making wrong decision after wrong decision. It's just a, a snowball effect that's turning into an avalanche and they're just frustrated and beyond what they feel like they can handle. I pray that Lord, you would give them a grateful heart. And I pray, Lord, for our church family, that when people are around us as a church family, that they would taste gratitude. That they would just look at our church and say, you know what? It's really not about them. They're always so thankful to God. They're always so grateful for everything that God is doing in and through them. May you give our church a heart of gratitude so that we can represent you well in this culture and in the place that you've put us in. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to antiochbbc.org. That's antiochbbc.org. God's best to you.